You want to tell them what you did? Do you want to tell them or you want me to tell them? Well, I want to hear how you explain it. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, we had to do this episode over because Ellen recorded herself at like a 99 and she blew out her audio. Okay, that was a fair description of what happened. Yeah, okay, I can't actually argue with that. That was a fair description. Patricia. Are you ready for a take two on this bitch? You know what? I actually think this is a sign because I think Israel Bouchamp wanted me to (laughs) talk about him more. The hot, hot sheriff. You guys, I'm giving Ellen a hard time. These kinds of like audio situations happen all the time. I've done this to Jillian like 40 times on True Crime Obsessed. We're just doing a take two and we're just going to do it all over again. We're just going to do it all over again. Join the Facebook group, you guys. Uh, the uh, What's it called, girl? No, I'm not. I'm not. I've, uh, no, you are on your own. All right, all right, all right. Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. Um, it's super fun. We've got like 10,000 friends in there. We just get in there and make fun of each other, yeah? I think we have like 12,000. Wow, growing by the day, girl. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times they just pretty much put up memes of Elton John and Prince <laughs> and just tag us in it. <laughs> Fair. It's like we're getting trolled by our own listeners. It's it's pretty lit. <laughs> also, follow us on Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. Every Friday night, we go live at 6 p.m. Eastern. We talk about how much we don't like being compared to Elton John and Prince is one example of what we talk about. Right, and we have drinks. We have two official podcast drinks. One is called The Screamsicle, which is vodka and orange soda, and one is uh-huh. The Purple Rain, which is <laughs> vodka and grape soda. So just... Keep it coming. (laughs) Don't die. Don't die. Oh, my God. You're going to die because we have to do this podcast over again, right? I know. (laughs) He's so mad at me, you guys. Don't let the giggles fool you. No, I'm not mad. I forgot how hot Israel Bouchamp is. Should we just get to it? I did not. Yes. (laughs) Let's go. Okay, you guys, Disappeared Season 2, Episode 10, Paradise Lost, tells the story of the disappearance of the Jameson family. A six-year-old girl and her free-spirited parents vanish in the backcountry of Oklahoma. It was terrifying to know that they might be lost in those woods. I had the feeling from the very first moment that it was foul play. We thought they were either one lost on that mountain or two, it was a murder-suicide. A police investigation reveals bizarre questions, but no answers. I know she's told the neighbors around here she's a witch. In this area, you find that much money, automatically you start to think about drugs. Then she put the gun to his head and said, you need to go. This isn't a random crime. This is something that was premeditated. It was like not knowing. I mean, what happened to my kids? They didn't deserve this. Right off the bat, immediately, we meet Israel Bouchant, <laughs> who is the sheriff of Latimer County. Just to, like, let's just, like, paint an accurate picture. I feel yeah. like if we put our heads together, we can really give them an idea. Yeah. So he is not wearing a sheriff uniform. No. <laughs> he is not wearing anything okayed by the sheriff apparel no. committee. He's not wearing any kind of official uniform. He's tatted for Jesus, this guy. like I'm not mad. No, I'm not mad at the tats. This guy looks, I was thinking about it on the second watching that Ellen made us have to do. I was thinking that he kind of looks like, now bear with me, you guys. If Nathan Lane and Sean Astin have, like, a hot, buff son. Okay. I'm 
you're putting down. <laughs> Listen, I tried to look him up. I tried to find him on Instagram. So did I. I couldn't find him. Listen, I've, I looked up Sheriff Bouchamp underwear, Sheriff yeah. Bouchamp shirtless. Yeah. I looked up Sheriff Bouchamp on Instagram. You guys, he has like a weird YouTube thing. Like people were a little bit obsessed with him when this came out. Right. People know about this guy for sure. I'd just like an update. I'd like to see what he looks like now. If you're out there, you can DM me at Ellen Marsh. It's not a big deal. Just like <laughs> bypass the podcast. Just DM me. All the stages of grief committed to memory, Bouchamp. <laughs> just know what you're getting yourself into, girl. Just know what you're getting yourself into. I will seriously microwave your daughter's hamster. Do not take this away from me. Do not take this away from me. But all I have Daisy's to say- Speedy, no! <laughs> all I have to say is I have never seen Sheriff Apparel with short sleeves. So you guys, he has these arms cuffed. I mean, they're accentuating every correct thing in the correct places. We can move on. Okay, okay. I mean, okay, okay, okay. no, actually, I wrote a joke. Hold on. Oh, do it. You tell me if this is funny. Okay. Okay. We need to move on. Obviously, we need to get in the case. But, like, yeah. he's so hot yep. that I was like, he, wait, why did I, wait. Oh, I wrote, he, <laughs> he is so hot. He needs to stay away from icebergs because. <laughs> what? That is the dumbest joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Because he like, I don't know where this was going. No, keep going, girl. You can get there. No, I'm not. I'm I'm aborting. I'm aborting this mission. Anyway, throughout the documentary, I'm going to be referencing him as hot but not so smart sheriff. Just as a disclaimer, he is a really, really good guy. He does say one really, really, really dumb thing. Yeah, he gives us some questionable, albeit funny quips throughout the whole documentary. <laughs> but he actually is really a solid, solid one of the good guys. On the day before the Jamesons disappear, they load their pickup truck and drive 30 miles to Oklahoma's Panola Mountain. All right, so it's October 7th, 2001. It's the day before the Jameson family disappears, and they're going into the forest, you guys. So they're going to a place called Panola Mountain. And these guys, this family, they really enjoy being outside. They really enjoy the out of doors. Right. We meet Starlet Jameson, who's Bobby's mom, who tells us... It is really forested area. There's a lot of cliffs and ravines. That's what they like, though. They liked nature. I lived off the grid once, actually. One time I brought my cell phone charger to work and I left it there. <laughs> so. <laughs> Did you write that joke, too? That one really landed. That was good. <laughs> that was actually, like, that actually really happened. And I was home. No joke. I was living with a partner at the time. And I said to him, I was like, I left my charger at home. Great. No, I'm living off the grid. That is so funny. They were looking for property. They were looking to go buy 40 acres of land in a very rural area. Those who know Bobby and Sherilyn Jameson say the couple looked at Panola Mountain as a fresh start. Nikki Shenold has been Sherilyn Jameson's closest friend for more than 10 years. She used to say a lot, you have to stand for something. I don't care what you stand for, but you have to stand for something. Nikki. Nikki is a down bitch if I have ever met a down bitch. She is Sherilyn's best friend. Yeah. If you are going to do something, like, she is the type of person that's going to show up with, like, rope, garbage bags, Clorox, and an alibi. Like, she is a down bitch. I am here for Nikki. Yeah, she's awesome, but she tells us that, like, Sherilyn and Bobby met in the summer of 2012. It was, like, love at first sight, and I noticed it the first time I watched it. I noticed it the second time I watched it to take notes. I noticed it the third time I watched it this uh, morning. 
funny okay, because Ellen Patrick, blew out her I get eye. it. Okay, okay, okay. All right, but that's three. That's three. That's all you got for today. That's three. I have done this to Jillian 47 times. Jillian is listening to this right now, shaking her head like, no, bitch, you do not come for her for this. Yeah. No. I'm, te- I'm literally texting Jillian as we're I'm- recording this. No, but we see this picture of Sherilyn and Bobby on their wedding day, and Bobby is putting the ring on her finger, and she looks so mad. I know. She looks not happy to be there, girl. But this is, again, why do we, who okays these pictures? I'm sure there was a better one. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And I gotta ask you, because, again, we don't talk about people's appearances, but, like, we talked about the eyebrows in one of the episodes. Can you fill me in on Sherilyn's two-tone hair? It's called ombre, Patrick. It's called ombre. Is it ombre or ombre? Ombre. Okay. It's not like ombre. Like the word. It's ombre. It's an ombre look. She's beautiful. But listen. Also, maybe her roots were grown out. Maybe she didn't have time or money to go get highlights. Why are you yelling at me? You're the one who was making us have to do this again. Ugh, I knew you were gonna say that. Anyway, Officer Hoppet, not so smart, explains that there's very few people that live up there. Even the ones that do have the bare minimum needs. They live with what he says is the bare minimum needs. And I would just like to bear my needs to him. Is that <laughs> is that weird? I'd like to get bare and take what I need yeah. from him. You yeah. actually, you've circled that and you brought that in for a landing. <laughs> I am proud of you. I am proud of you. <laughs> Who's a funny podcaster? <laughs> Who's my funny little boy? Who finishes my jokes? No, no, no. Anyway, they call Panola Mountain's way of life rustic. And I would just like to go on record as saying that rustic is code for ugly, broken, and cheap, which is also my drag name. I was just going to say that rustic to me is like, it, that. that is a restaurant term mm-hmm. that usually means you're going to have a good cheese board. Yeah, we're the two worst human beings on the planet. You know that, right? I'm so gay. Yeah. We are both such gay men, girl. But at least we have each other. <laughs> on the morning the Jamesons start to explore the mountain where they hope to make their new home, they become lost in a maze of dirt roads. They run into one of the handful of people living up there. And ask for directions. Not only does he give them directions, they also start asking all these questions about life there, living off the grid, how to sustain themselves. They find a guy who's like living off the grid, which is what they want to do. Right. And they're like, girl, girl, how do you do that? Yeah. And it <laughs> seems a little bit like if you have to ask, you, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And then <laughs> anyway, he gives them directions and off they go. The next morning, they head back up the mountain to see the actual plot of land that they were considering. I I think they wanted to get away from everybody and be able to enjoy life on their own, not to have to answer to anybody. It's pretty desolate, but I think desolate at that point was what they were looking for. They were just kind of looking to start anew and and kind of get away from from mainstream. This is the other thing that boggles my mind. Every, they keep telling us, everyone tells us, down bitch Nikki, Christopher, the mom, they were looking for a simpler way of life. And I'm like... Simpler than what, girl? Like, how complicated is your life living in this town that I can't pronounce in the middle of Oklahoma? Like, real question, what is so complicated about your life that you need to go somewhere without electricity or, like, plumbing, girl? Plumbing. Or septic tanks. Well, that's what plumbing is, girl. Oh, okay. (laughs) I sing and dance and talk into a microphone for a living. I don't know things. Well, you used to, but your industry is dead now. Yeah, anyway. But the Jameson's outing comes to an unexpected and mysterious end. Eight days later, hunters on four-wheelers find a locked truck parked on a dirt road near the top of Panola Mountain. 
They peeked in the window and they saw a dog, and the dog was not doing so well. It had been locked in that truck for multiple days. The dog is such a thing. I don't get it. I don't understand what, what's going on with the dog. No, and you guys, the dog is alive. Can we just say that dog's been in that truck for eight days, eight days. no food or water. That thing lived, girl. I'd be dead in 10 minutes. Sometimes when Steve goes into the store and I'm in the car by myself for five minutes, I start to get like, oh God. Yeah. Oh God. I'm not going to make it, you guys. I'm just wondering if nowhere in any of their archival footage was hot sheriff saving a dog. I know. I Come know. on. You can't tell me this guy doesn't do porn on the side. There's definitely a site somewhere he does not want us to know about. Do you know OnlyFans? I've recently come to know that that is a thing that exists. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. The game. What? It's like you like make porn, but then people can like subscribe to it. But it's not always porn. Sometimes it's like a lady eating like popsicles in her underwear. <laughs> Ew. Listen, everyone's got to let their freak flag fly. People are into crazy things, and you know what? There's something for everyone. Hey, it's the gig economy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come for anybody who's finding a way to make a living. You guys. So when they break open the truck, they find a lot of really crazy things because their coats, phones, and money are all left behind. Police believe that Bobby and Sherilyn, along with their six-year-old daughter Madison, must be lost nearby in the woods. After we started looking through everything, we we were figuring, okay, they're they're up here. It'd be quite easy for somebody to go out there and get bit by a snake, and to not be able to get back to the truck and just to not be able to find your way around. Heather Holland is also the investigator yeah. on the case, along with, with Hot Sheriff, who's not so smart. So the police search the area. They look near and around the truck. But remember, this is eight days later. So the area is not only vast, yeah. it's super <laughs> rugged. Now, I don't know what you felt like the 17 times we watched this, but I'm going to need a new word for rugged because that terrain was harsh and rough and cr- I mean I it was a mountain and a forest and a rainforest and a desert. And I'm sorry, what did they what were they going to do? They were going to clear the land and build a tent? Like what are, what was the plan? Well, they were looking for a lot of acreage. So they, they were, were like for, they were looking for what, girl? Acreage. <laughs> Is that a word? That's the word. Acreage. I guess so. I've never heard you say. Remember like two weeks ago when I learned that your stepmother had a plane that she flew herself in? You're now a person who like comes from a family of planes and says words like acreage. <laughs> and so the hot sheriff says. We knew that they had been there eight to nine days. And you're, you're getting on that timeline there to where... You know, the chances of making it, you know, we're we're at that point now. This is utterly mind-blowing. He's like, so they were, they were gone eight days, you guys. We are now at the point of, like, they might not survive. Right. He is, he's saying that there are people out there who can survive eight days yeah. in the woods, girl. Yeah. How long do you think I'd survive Eight minutes. <laughs> Solidly. Eight minutes. Before you just wrap yourself up in a medium-sized tar and start crying. He's just like in his tarp. It doesn't quite fit all the way around. The tarp doesn't cover everything. And you're just trying to like fold the tarp in pieces to like pull it over yourself. And then you just like sit in a corner singing Barbra Streisand tunes until someone finds you or they don't. I don't. 
I cannot imagine what it would be like to just be living in the woods for eight days. Like, nobody reported them missing. And this is the whole thing with living off the grid. If you're going to, like, that's going to be your way of life, you are in danger of this shit happening to you. Right. Because, you know, like, all of their friends and family are saying to us, they would go out of town for weeks at a time and just not tell anyone. Go or they would- out of town? That's bananas. <laughs> Everyone right now, pause this podcast and go check in with someone. Just check Drive in and let everybody know you're alive. <laughs> Text your sister right now. <laughs> and then come back to us. The sheriff's men on Panola Mountain realized that by now, the Jamesons could be anywhere. They used the family's cell phones to help reconstruct their last known movements. As we checked the GPS from the phone, we had found out that they didn't spend the majority of the time parked there. They find out through the GPS that they had indeed gone up this hill. And sure enough, they find footprints. Obviously, Madeline's are the most distinguishable because she's six years old. They go to the top of the hill and they take what we now learn is the last picture of Madison, which was like, oh, God. This also baffled me, too, because they were able to, like, track the GPS of the phone to, like, not that far from the truck. Yeah. Which seems like that's a weird thing to have been able to do in, like, 2001, whatever, 2009. 2009, right. And remember, the cell phones end up back in the car. Both cell phones. And so, a couple of things. So, like, the cops are saying they assume that the Jameson family went up the hill, took the picture of Madison, and then wandered back to the truck, and as they were, like, getting in the truck, somebody came upon them. Then, while scouring the cab for more clues, a deputy sheriff makes a stunning discovery. He said, I've got something to tell you, and I think you need to come up here. And I said, okay, what's going on? And he told me, he said, hey, there is a substantial amount of money in this vehicle. And he finds a bag of cash, you guys. Just a bag. (laughs) Just an Italian bag of cash. I call that a bank account. I don't know what other people call it, but apparently a bag of cash isn't normal. This is why Ellen's the one you want to call when you get arrested at 2 in the morning. She's got cash stashed everywhere, you guys. Look under the mattress in the guest room on the right side. Under, Not under the pillow, on the feet side. Yeah, okay, you got that? Great. Now go above the refrigerator. There's a bread box. Look behind the bread box. Yeah, it looks, yes, that looks like a Christmas bag. In the Christmas bag, you'll find another 10 G's. <laughs> it's called a bank account. What? What? That's my bank account. I call it a bank account. You are trash. <laughs> a bank bag hidden beneath the driver's seat contains $32,000 in cash. I wondered why. Why is all this money in here? Anytime any large amount of cash is found in a vehicle, it raises a lot of red flags. If they were, okay, okay, a million thoughts at once. Okay, take take it slow. We're, we're, okay. This is for the second time. <laughs> take it slow. Take your time. If somebody did something to them, why? Why would they have done something to them, right? We get a lot of speculation in the episode that there was drugs involved. So you would think that if there was some sort of, like, bad drug deal or some sort of drug kingpin came to kill them, they would have known that there would be money in the car and they would have taken it. Right. And also, so another theory that's going to circulate is, like, a murder-suicide. We'll talk about that later. But then, to your point... Why would someone bring $32,000 to go kill themselves? You know, it's just the bag of money is very confusing. So they explain that by the truck, there was no sign of a struggle, to which I would like to say that if Sheriff Hot Stuff wants to struggle or just like casually shred my clothes a little bit, I don't need an answer. 
answer now. He can take his time. But I, I, I'm here for the Jamesons. But like, yeah. if you know, hot sheriff could let me know like within 48 hours if he wants to struggle, that would be fine too. <laughs> Sheriff, it's just, it's probably not worth it, girl. I've been, I've known her for 20 years. A a lot of guys have been in your shoes, girl. It's just, it ends up not ever being really all that worth it. You're a horrible person. But, (laughs) so Nikki, our down bitch, says something very astute. They were probably forced out at gunpoint. I mean, why would you struggle if someone has a gun? So the next crazy thing they find. (laughs) This is so bananas. It's so, it's just like, (laughs) they find an 11 page handwritten letter from Cheryl Lynn. And it says brimming with hostility, which is code for this bitch was pissed. Yeah, this is to Bobby, to the husband. Yeah. I mean, she was mad, you guys. to, To hand write an 11 page letter and to also like decide you're gonna bring it with you on the road trip. That really. He seems like, what was going on? Right. Uh, Hot Sheriff says, It was just a hate and discontent. The years of fighting. I mean, it was just a lot of hate. A lot of hate. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, Sherilyn, like, in her bedroom, like, as they're getting ready for their trip, and she's like, I'm going to take that letter. No, I'm going to leave it. No, I'm going to, no, I'm not. You know what? I'm fucking taking it. it. I'm going to take it. (laughs) But I would just like to, uh, they're going to put a lot of weight on this letter later in the episode, and I kind of, kind of want to come to her defense and say, I actually do write letters when something is wrong to people that I intentionally never plan on giving them. Who has time for that? I do. I, I find writing very therapeutic and sometimes it just helps to get it out even though in your mind you you kind of like think you're going to give it to the person but deep down you know you're not. So listen, marriage at the best of times is a challenge. <laughs> there are sometimes, you know, you can't... Remember live- last week when we found out that you were maritally disenfranchised? <laughs> yeah, maritally disenfranchised franchise but like you know sometimes the, the person you love the most is also the person whose eyes you want to scratch out yeah so uh, i think about this thing that you said once which was like like a new relationship it's like i love you i love you when i when i blink i miss you yeah and 10 years later it's like uh, oh i you're just gonna keep breathing like that yeah. <laughs> it's so true you just look at someone and you're like you is that the way that's the way you're gonna breathe that's the way you're just gonna keep breathing like that <laughs> Cool. Anyone who's in a relationship just so knows exactly what you mean. It's so true, though. So, I mean, they, again, they're going to put a lot of weight on this letter. I don't think it's that crazy, but I've also memorized the stages of grief. So who am I to judge anyone? You know what I mean? Christopher says. An 11-page letter brimming with hostility. Brimming with hostility. I have, that also could be my drag name. Welcome to the stage. Brimming with hostility. No, and you know what that is? It's me as brimming and you as hostility. It's brimming with hostility. And we're like, sisters, sisters. Oh, God. Okay. Much of the strain dates back to 2003 when Bobby was involved in a serious auto accident. Bobby was driving his truck in 2003, and he had a wreck. He got hit from one side, and then he got hit from the other. It generally- uh, excuse me. It was it was women drivers that did this to him. I know. According to his they, mother. His mom really actually wanted to make that a point, didn't she? And this lady hit him from one side, and another lady hit him from the other side. Now we're just letting him drive? Great. Great. <laughs> 
great. Wait, so we this was honestly, I was like, sometimes I really think they don't know what they're shooting on the disappeared set. I know. Take it away. Talk about it. Talk about it. (laughs) Because as you're describing this guy, Bobby's like chronic pain, which I totally get. And that must be fucking terrible. Yeah. His chronic pain is so bad. And he like can't work around the house anymore. Like it's a real challenge for him to work around the house. And so the disappeared people decided the best way to really show that to the viewer was to like go to a farm and get like a green child's wagon. It's so weird, you guys. It's so weird. Have this like reenactment actor from behind lift up a purse, like an actual lady's handbag, and put it into the wagon and then walk it across the yard. Yeah. I, I don't understand. It's like, ah, uh, do you have, cro- he does. He has chronic pain. I'm not diminishing that. Yeah. But it's like, ah, uh, does your pain make pulling a wagon difficult? <laughs> ah. Like, I he just puts a little woman's purse in the wagon. What? He's like, oh, this used to be so easy. <laughs> but why is he putting a purse in a, in a wagon? I just don't get it. What was the thinking on the set that day, do you think? I think that they were like, well, around the house, he would put wood in a wagon or something. <laughs> we don't have any wood. Okay, maybe like uh, tools. No, we don't have any of those either. Uh, sure, okay, maybe like some hay or some sticks as if he was cleaning up shrubbery. No, don't have any of that. Uh, okay, how about my fucking pocketbook? Actually, yes. Yes. The vi- that would be visually stunning. So because of this accident, we find out that Bobby was, you know, he wasn't working. He was bedridden. He wasn't able to do things around the house. The pain every day, the chronic pain really put a toll on his spirits and I think he became depressed and it made things more difficult in the marriage. So that that sort of accounted for sort of when their marriage was having a little bit of problems. She sat down and wrote an 11 page letter girl. Yeah, I'm An not... 11 pager but... full of hatred and hostility. Listen, I've written a couple letters in my day. They're actually, they're award winning <laughs> letters. They're still on my computer. I could probably go through my emails and look up hostile letter and it'd be like boop but then the next piece of information comes to light oh my god their concerns heighten when family members tell them that a pistol belonging to Sherilyn Jameson cannot be found and the family says something <laughs> so banana pants to me they say well she always keeps her pistol in the car usually she carries this pistol in the vehicle she's got a car gun like if the, if the gun wasn't in the car it was nowhere to be found <laughs> They also tell the sheriff this like 25 days into the investigation. A hot sheriff is like, We didn't know about the 22 pistol until that moment. We are um, just coming into this information. I know. (laughs) Yeah, information that would have been really appreciated yesterday. She has a car gun. A car gun? You guys, what's the gun thing? I don't, I really, I don't, I'm not coming for your guns. I just don't get it, girl. No, and I'm the same way. I am not coming for people's guns. I just don't understand it. So, you know, because of now the missing pistol and the hate letter, they are sort of leaning towards a murder-suicide. But there's just, again, there's so many red herrings. There's so many breadcrumbs in this story. It just keeps going. So they start the search and rescue. Local people started showing up with horses, four-wheelers, Helicopters, fixed-wing aircraft, tracking dogs, teams of horses and mule, and hundreds of personnel all assist in the search effort. Hang on! 
I got a question, girl. <laughs> yes. Uh, podcaster who needs an extra large tarp right there. Yes. Hey, uh, I'm just saying, they say horse and mule. Is there a benefit to the mule that the horse doesn't offer? Did they run out of horses and they just had to give the other guy the mule? How, like, that? I don't, horses and mules? You know what? I think mules, no, they're actually, shoot, this would be a good side goog because mules are used to go down the Grand Canyon, not horses. <laughs> no, that's true. I know. But it's just I think mules are like more dexterous or they can carry more weight or maybe they're more flexible. I don't know. I'm making this shit up as I'm staring at you on FaceTime in my day robe for the ninth time we've recorded this podcast. I don't know. I just want to like I want you and I to show up at like a search and rescue mission and they give you a horse and they're like, oh, no, he's going to need the animal that can carry the more weight. Get him a mule. Get that get a mule. Can he have a mule? Just... <laughs> No, he just, he loves the horse, but can he have a mule? Thank you. We don't want to break the horse, you guys. Get him a mule. The rough terrain makes everything twice as hard. It's a little triple canopy, a lot of woods, a lot of rocks, almost all of it straight uphill, and very, very tough conditions to try to do a search in. You guys, again, this terrain is rugged. This yeah. is not some normal stuff. The dogs are brought in. They start at the car. They like the car. They also like the top of the mountain. Then they go to a water tank. They're really drawn to the water tank. They drain it. They find nothing. Uh, so then my favorite, oh God. Oh God. All right. I don't know if I can. Oh God, you guys. Okay. Ever pull over. Pull over. Everyone pull over. Put this shit in park. Find a rest area. I <laughs> don't have the time or the crayons to explain yeah. <laughs> Sweet hot sheriff. I, I, so what ha- what happens is he is, we're, remember we're on this like murder suicide thing. He's thinking, all right, somebody maybe Sherilyn because we can't find her car gun might have like tricked her family into going into the forest and then killing them and killing herself. But you guys, there's one flaw in that plan according to the sheriff. One flaw. I find it impossible for you to be able to to, to hide your own body. Yes, you may be able to hide one or two that you'd obviously kill, but to hide your own body would be nearly impossible. When it comes to hiding your own dead body, he says it would be nearly impossible to hide your own body. (laughs) I mean, maybe with some gumption and fortitude, maybe you could hide your own dead body, but it is nearly impossible. I find, in my findings, it's... It's it's nearly, nearly it is nearly impossible. Oh, he is so hot and so sweet. Bless him. I just is someone watering him at least twice a week. Can somebody check on him? I love him so much. I will be his little spoon or big spoon or big spoon. Whatever he needs. Can I hold him a little too or no? Yeah, you can. He's he, uh, it's just it's just nearly it's nearly <laughs> It's nearly impossible <laughs> to hide your own body. Oh God, that's that's. I want that on a candle. And is it is nearly impossible to hide your own body. Although their focus shifts away from murder suicide, investigators continue to uncover strange details about the Jamesons' lives. They discover that Bobby and especially Sherilyn had a strong interest in spirituality. They discover that Bobby and especially Sherilyn have a strong interest in spirituality, which I don't think is what they actually mean. Yes, I was about to say that. I love when like uh, people on this show are trying to be careful and considerate totally. about their words <laughs> because they want to be like, I 
think they were into some crazy witchcraft shit, but then they just gingerly call it spiritual. Like, it's, I get it. They're trying to be the utmost, you know, respectful. I get it. But they really tap dance around the idea. The Jamesons attended prayer meetings conducted by a local preacher who was later interviewed by investigators. He was talking about them seeing spirits, that they came to him and was talking to him about seeing spirits. The preacher tells investigators that Sherilyn said that angels were coming into their home in the form of children and interacting with her six-year-old daughter. I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, that's a good detail to have because it, it definitely gives us insight into Sherilyn's, like, mindset. Yeah. Bobby's mom goes... Sherilyn had said that Madison was talking to people that had died. I don't think it was someone dead. But I don't think they were really dead people. <laughs> Have I told the story on the podcast about the time you ruined the sixth sense for me? <laughs> Opening weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, Patricia Hines, and I go to see The Sixth Sense. If you have not seen The Sixth Sense and you plan on seeing it, fast forward for like a minute right now, okay? That movie came out 20 years ago. Girl. I don't care. I'm, I'm here for the people and I'm not going to ruin their lives. Okay, 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 okay. So we're in, we had to sit in the second row because the movie theater was packed. Yeah. It was opening night weekend. This was like the movie. Yeah. We go on opening night. Patrick and I sit down. Seven minutes into the movie. No, I hadn't seen it before. Like, he hadn't seen it. I just knew what was going on. He literally goes like this. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> you guys, I never enjoyed the twist of The Sixth Sense because Patricia ruined it for me. Not only did he, she ruin it for me, she ruined it for the three rows in front of us and the three rows behind it because her voice carries. So everyone at the end of the movie stood up and looked at us with glaring, disgusting, dirty eyes because you ruined The Sixth sense but you guys I, do you want to apologize yes or no let me just say it's kind of obvious you also owe me 12 dollars. okay <laughs> the preacher also tells police that bobby jameson believed that he saw spirits on the roof of their lakeside ufala home it's a disturbing revelation you guys the things that come out of people's mouths in these episodes that we just we treat them like they're normal the hot sheriff is like it was three or four spirits that were giving them trouble and mostly talking about him being on the roof. We had also found out from him that Bobby had asked him, okay, is there a special bullet that I can buy to to kill these spirits? So they were seeing things. Also, Sherilyn was spray painting some weird witch-like things around the property, around her house. Her cat died, and she thought the cat had been poisoned, and she spray painted witches don't like their cats being killed. And they have, you guys, they, they spray that, like, she sprayed that on, like, a storage unit or whatever, like a storage container that was in their front yard. Right. We see it. Yeah. We actually have, like, pictures of the storage container. Yeah. The sentence was like, witches don't like having their cats killed or whatever, and everything has been covered except for the don't. Right. It's so strange. <laughs> and then is. down bitch Nikki always coming to the rescue, always coming to her defense. To the what, girl? To the rescue? <laughs> what did I say? He said, always coming to the rescue. <laughs> did I? I? Henry? I Henry, give it to us, girl. <laughs> Always coming to the rescue. Nikki coming to the rescue. <laughs> Sherilyn used to tell me, if you have a problem with somebody, make them think you're crazy. The crazier they think you are, the more they'll leave you alone. It's true. It worked. <laughs> so another freaking weird thing. Eight 
days later, we're talking October 23rd, 2009. They're like, oh, wait, they have security cameras outside their house. And Mama Starlet was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought them those cameras. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. did you maybe want to tell the cops that? <laughs> because now we're 16 days out. Yeah. I, listen, I have thankfully never had anything go wrong, but I imagine when something goes wrong, you're like, here's bank statements. Here's phone records. Totally. Here's surveillance. <laughs> I know. Yeah, totally. And they were just like, oh, wait. I know. Cameras that could give us valuable and vital and time-sensitive information, maybe? <laughs> So we see the security footage of the day that they went missing, and they describe it. I have issues with this. In the eerie-looking surveillance video recorded on the day they disappeared, the Jamesons are seen packing their truck. The family was found going in and out of the home multiple times, back and forth to the car in somewhat of a trance-like state. They're saying that, like, they were acting really zombie-like and not acknowledging each other, like, walking past each other, but it's like they don't even see each other. Girl, fill me in here, because the videos that we see, it looks like stop motion. It doesn't, it's not a fluid video, you know what I mean? That you would see, like, on the Sheriff's OnlyFans account. Right, right. No, you he, know what I mean? his OnlyFans is for sure in HD, yeah. so it is almost like stop start motion and I yeah. don't know how they determined they were in a quote trance like state and, and you can't see their faces you can't see anything I mean it's, right. it is weird that if they're just going into the woods to like just look at this property and they're gonna come home tonight that like it's weird that they're making so many trips to the house and they've stashed yeah. $32,000 in cash under the driver's seat yeah I mean that's weird so they came to the conclusion that they might be on drugs and I'm not saying that they warrant i'm just saying from the camera from 1922 with the stop start right. <laughs> hazy footage yeah. i don't know how they could gather that information like i know they, they also said they weren't speaking to each other again how do you know number one and number two it's not like if you're doing chores you're like hey hey right. how's it going I'm good. <laughs> nice shirt i was wearing it this morning like it's just right it's also like and again we say this every fucking time then why even have the goddamn camera yeah. if you can't get any information from the thing why even fucking have it yeah it, you guys there the video is not only on the episode there's also a lot of them on youtube there's a lot of yeah. different ones on youtube so hot cop says we automatically assume here in southeastern oklahoma if you're on a drug that it's methamphetamine i think it's far-fetched i'm not saying they weren't on drugs i j- i just i don't understand how they could glean that information from those videos. Yeah, and, and one other thing that we learn in this section is that Cheryl Lynn was suffering from bipolar disorder, which is significant only because, you know, she would be on her medication and she'd be doing better and then she wouldn't take it. I've known people who literally have done the exact same thing. And when they're on their medication and they're taking it properly, they are very healthy and happy. And when they are in that state, they're like, I don't need the medication anymore. And it becomes this thing. And all of that is just to say that in addition to his chronic pain and her bipolar disorder, I don't think it was a very happy house, girl. And down bitch Nikki says maybe that's why she wrote the letter. Sherilyn didn't write a word unless she was writing what was going on in her head. And that's why the journal was so disturbed. 11 pages, you guys. 11 pages of hand fucking written. I don't think it's that weird. <laughs> I mean, it's just so... <laughs> why, why? I don't have 11 pages worth of stuff to say to anybody. 11 pages. That is some grievance right there, girl. <laughs> I, could, I could muster that up. I could muster up that much grievance. <laughs> 
So the last piece of this fucked up drunk ass puzzle, we learned that a month before they went missing, they had taken in a boarder. Remember how Bobby's chronic pain was so bad, he couldn't do the usual chores of pulling his wife's purse around in a wagon. (laughs) He was like, "Uh, I can't pull this wagon anymore. Can we get someone to help me? But how are we going to get it across the yard? Uh, let's get let's take in a lodger. Let's <laughs> let's bring in a guy. Let's bring in a guy. Because of his chronic back pain, Bobby thought having another set of hands around would ease the burden on both him and Sherilyn. But according to friends, the border began to make Sherilyn uncomfortable when Bobby wasn't around. Sherilyn and Madison both felt very threatened by this fellow who had been staying with them. Like one day when Bobby isn't there, he gets in Sherilyn's face, declares himself a white supremacist, and says like, stop talking about this Indian blood that you have. I think all non-white people should be killed. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really uncomfortable. She, They had said that she had aired her grievances that this guy was making her feel weird before that. He was making her what, girl? Feel weird, what'd I say? <laughs> making her feel weird before that. He was making her fear word. I've had a couple Chardonnays. What of it? <laughs> but then Sherilyn pulls an Ellen, chases this guy the fuck out of her house with a gun. And then when, when he's like not leaving fast enough, she shoots at his feet. She's like, dance, bitch. <laughs> she like Yosemite Sam's his ass. And she's like, get out my house. But like, it turns out that that guy was shady as shit. Investigators learn that the man has an extensive police record. Obviously, this person became a great interest to us. If you threaten someone and then they make you leave at gunpoint, that's a pretty big indicator that you might be wanting to retaliate. So, of course, they tracked this guy down, and he didn't do it. Like, he has a solid alibi. I mean, it would make sense that, like, this would be the guy that would go find them in the... I don't know, but he didn't do it. This guy, this guy's not the guy. Again, this, this story goes, there's so many leads, and they cannot tie anything up. It's just a lot of rumors and speculation, and they investigate everything as they come in Hot Sheriff. He yeah. struggles with sentence structure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he can't have all the gifts. I've said that before, but you know, he really, it's like when you start a sentence and you're really not sure where it's going to go. That is his life. That is absolutely his life every single day. Basically, he really struggles to say that. At this time, we have no suspects. And until evidence comes to life to show differently, there are no suspects. There is evidence and no suspects. He just, he really, he's really in time thinking of these sentences. He's just saying there's just so much evidence and so many different roads that it can, and it leads to nowhere. So that's how the episode ends. Girl, what is the update? So in November of 2013, the skeletal remains of the Jameson family were found by hunters. How many miles? Three miles from You guys, where it's it- always three miles. It is, I was thinking Yesterday, I'm going into the fucking woods where Maura Marie went missing, and I'm going three miles in every direction. We're going to fucking find her. It's always three miles. It's always three miles. So I'm just going to give you just a little bit of side googing information that I found. Um, obviously, the only thing that people want is closure. They want to allow families to mourn and grieve and move on. But sadly, there is just a multitude of theories around the Jameson's death. So someone we didn't see in the documentary was Sherilyn's mom, whose name is Connie. She claims her daughter and son-in-law were on an Oklahoma 
Oklahoma cult hit list. Oh, like she is. She doesn't really go into it, but she went, you know, all around town saying that a cult was after them. There's also the notion that the Jameson's death was the result of a drug deal gone wrong. Were they on drugs? In the the, the first time we that we took an hour and a half to do this, you said that they their bodies were all found face down. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not there yet, Patrick. Oh. <laughs> It's just that we've recorded this so many times. I'm sorry. Please. I know. I know. Yeah. Continue. If I, if 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 I may, are you are you done mansplaining the research that I've already done and Reese told it and claimed it as your own, mm-hmm. or do you wanna? No, I'm good. Do you wanna say more? No, I'm good. Uh, thank You're you. You're good. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So the the last thought. And this actually makes the most sense to me. Bobby and Sherilyn filed a protective order against Bobby's dad. Now, something we didn't mention was that Starlet Bobby's mom had put up the security cameras because she was scared of Bobby's dad. Yeah. They claimed that Bobby's dad had threatened to kill Bobby and his family over some business dealings. Now, that protective order was filed just six months before the Jamesons disappeared. And it was rumored that Bobby's dad was involved in the Mexican. Mafia. Oh my God. So, yeah, but Bobby's father died two months after the family went missing. So, lastly, they mentioned in the documentary quite a few times that they thought that it was a murder suicide. But obviously, at the time of the airing, they had not found the bodies, but the bodies were actually found side by side face down so that theory doesn't seem super plausible and it's super sad to report that this is obviously still a mystery did they find any like trauma to the head like had anybody been shot yeah so there was so bobby was found with a small hole in his skull but they deemed and declared that it wasn't a gunshot wound they deemed and declared you can't deem unless you declare <laughs> so you 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 can declare and not deem yeah, but you yeah, can't yeah. do it the vice versa <laughs> I learned I learned that in bullshit artist school. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he had trauma to the head that could have been a gunshot wound, but the police speculated that it wasn't. Maybe it was an animal. But I guess the thing we've learned is always look three miles. Always look three fucking miles. Yeah, say something funny. Are you really the kind of person who says acreage? <laughs> do you think, do you mm-hmm. think, Officer Hot Sheriff uh-huh. and Chris Cuomo <laughs> could just... We could just hang out and talk. I just want to talk to them. So, well, that fantasy got way, way less interesting to me. Without our clothes on. Without our clothes. Could they maybe? Could they do some gay stuff and we could both watch? I, no, that's not fun for me. I know that's probably new information. That is very new information. But gay stuff doesn't really do anything for me. But thank you. I will prefer my fantasy with the two of them laying uh-huh. on top of me. Bow. Oh, you guys, that was season two, episode 10, I think, girl? (laughs) 10.2. Oh, it was a 10.2. That's also what I would describe you out of a, on a scale from one to 10, girl. Aw, I would describe (laughs) you as my cute little cuddly bear. You guys, join our Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. I nailed it. You did. And we can also be found on Twitter. We go on the Twitter. Yeah, someone tell us our handle so we can find ourselves on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. If you know our Twitter handle, can you please DM us on Instagram what our Twitter handle is? That would be super helpful. And find 
find us on the Disappeared Pod. Don't forget, every Friday night we go live. We answer your questions. We talk about our week. We talk about the case. Patrick makes fun of me. Hamsters show up. It's anarchy pandemonium for half an hour to get your weekend started right. You can also follow Patrick at Patrick Hines underscore. You can also follow me at Ellen Marsh. And my name is spelled with a Y. <laughs> um, you guys, we're, get, we're really getting down to it with the election. Uh, if you're voting for Trump, please, please get to his Instagram. It's at Joe Biden. And donate heavily, you guys. Donate heavily. Um, I love you. And I love um, you. everyone, wear a mask. And you know what? 2020 is almost over. We're just going to light ourselves on fire and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, you guys, before recording a podcast, check your volume, everybody. Check your volume, please. I will not be put in a box. You will not censor me. <laughs> I love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. You guys, Ellen also didn't save her notes, so this is going to be great. <laughs> you guys, I, I rewrote them. I redid all my notes. But that, that is a true story. I deleted all my notes. I love you. I love you. But you're a son of a bitch. I can't help you. You I deserve this. You, you did this to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. The mom refers to the accident as a wreck, which I thought, oh, that's my nickname for Ellen, you guys. <laughs> so nice so- to hear your nickname in this, girl. I don't... <laughs> How many times have you called me and been like, talk me out of getting onto his Facebook page, posting naked pictures and changing the password? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hot Sheriff, does it still sound like a good deal to you, girl? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm tell I'm telling you. Absolutely. You have you have talked me uh, off many a ledge. You're my Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> We're never getting a sheriff that hot again, I don't think. No. We got we got a hundred more seasons of this. <laughs>